We are in uh, the concluding series, uh, message in our series, Discerning These Times. And the title of the message today is, It's Time to Step Up. Just as we said last week, God is calling all of us to take steps of faith in this season to become the people that he's called us to be and to become the church that he's called us to be. You know, oftentimes there's a lot of things, that, breakthroughs that we've been praying for, as Russell shared earlier, that get, get held back, oftentimes because God is waiting for us to take steps of faith to take steps of faith and obedience, and then the answer to prayer comes, and then the breakthrough comes. And, and for all of us, it's time for us to take these steps of faith into the calling of God for every single one of our lives and for us as a community. In this series, we've been looking at the journey of the early church from the book of Acts chapter 1 through uh, Acts chapter 2, and we last left it on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell, right? Tongues of fire came. They began to speak in tongues. The people in the, in the community heard this miracle. And 3,000, the Bible says, got saved on that day. But that wasn't the end of the journey. It was really just the beginning. And what we're going to look at today is the book of Acts chronicles now how the early church responded to this first great awakening and how their response brought about an even greater revival and an even greater awakening because I believe that's where we are today. God's brought us far. We've, we've seen God do some amazing things, but how we respond will determine the next phase of, of God's movement and his breakthrough and the revival that he wants to bring to our community. So Acts chapter 242 is where we are today. And it says this about the early church, and I believe it's God's word speaking to us as well. It says they, meaning the early Christians, the first Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every say every day. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Can we pray as we get into the word this morning? Father, we thank you for your word that is a light to us, that reveals Jesus to us, your love for us, and your purpose for us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would shine your light in our hearts and illuminate whatever you want to so that we can be the people you've called us to be in these days, in these times. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Four, four things that the early church did that brought about a great uh, second phase of this revival. Number one is be devoted to the word of God. We need to be devoted to the word of God. The scripture tells us here that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now, what we need to understand about the early church is that they didn't have Bibles, right? They didn't have access to Bibles on their own. The only scripture that they had was in the synagogues because they were on these giant scrolls. You know, you couldn't mass produce them. A large swath of the community couldn't read anyway, and so they would have to go to the synagogue to hear the, you know, the religious leaders teach the word of God to them. And so when, when, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, the apostles now began to get up and teach every single day the word of God to the people. And they were so devoted to God that they would meet every single day to hear the teaching of the word. They couldn't just open up a Bible at home and, and read. They, they came together every single day to hear the, the reading of the word of God, to be encouraged, to be devoted to that word. And the word is so important because it's, it's what reveals the love of God to us, right? It's the Bible that reveals to us God's plan, his purpose, his love for us. It's the Bible that reveals to us how we ought to live our lives in response to his love. And we need the word of God in our lives so that we can be the people God has called us to be. Can I hear an amen to that? We need to be devoted to this word. 
The word reveals God's love to us. The word changes us. The benefit that you and I have is we all have access to Bibles, amen? I mean, you can just go on the internet and you can go to Bible Hub or whatever and you can get the whole Bible in almost any language on the planet and it's right there for us. Our smartphones, the things that we have in our pockets have Bibles in them. It's so awesome. Now, if you're too lazy to read, you can just press a button and it'll read to you. I mean, there's a version where James Earl Jones can read you the Bible. You can have Darth Vader read it. I'm sure there's a, a world where Snoop Dogg's reading the Bible to you. You know what I'm saying? There's no excuse for us now not to get the word of God into our lives. The only excuse that we have is that we don't prioritize it as we should. There's really no excuse not to get the word of God into our lives. And we need the word in our lives because it's the word that shapes us into the people that God's called us to be. Barna did a study recently, the Barna Group, and found that only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Only 6%. Depending on what study you read, that's down from about 40 to 60% just a, a generation ago. Is there any wonder why we see some of the things going on in our society? Because people don't value stuff like forgiveness anymore, like mercy anymore, like generosity anymore, like kindness, like love. It's changed so dramatically because we've lost the center, which is the word of God. Schools were founded to teach the Bible. Schools like Harvard and Princeton, and you know what I mean? They were missionary training schools, and now they've departed so far. See, when we don't devote ourselves to the Word of God, we're going to be polluted by the world. That's just a reality. Everything that we see on TV, it's not pushing the values of Scripture. It's pushing something else. And so if we're not devoted to the Word, and we're not being changed by the Word, we will be, whether we realize it or not, changed by the world. If we're not being changed by the Word, you will be changed by the world. And so we need to discipline ourselves every single day to be in the word of God. Now, the early church met together, like I said, every morning before dawn. They would get together because of persecution. They couldn't meet together during the day when everyone was out because someone would persecute them and arrest them or something. So they got together every single morning. We don't have to do that now because we have Bibles on our own. We can spend time in the word, you know, by ourselves. And we can gather together periodically like this to be encouraged in the word, to be fed in the word. Um, but we need to be devoted to the word. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, we need to be devoted to the word. And maybe one of the ways that we need to step up in this season is we need to step up our devotion to the word of God. I don't know about you, I feel challenged. I need to step up my devotion to the word of God. Because I, I don't like to admit it, but I am changed by the culture. I am changed by the world. And all the more in this season, you and I, we need to be devoted to the word, to let it change us, to let God change us rather than anything external. I remember Pastor Norman once said, you need to spend less time, you said it in a sermon, spend less time in Facebook and more time in God's book. How many of you guys remember that? I felt so convicted by that. Because it was the first thing that we do in the morning. I just want to check Facebook every now and then, right? When you when you got nothing to do, you got a couple of minutes, we pull out our phones and we flip on Facebook. And what we don't realize, or Instagram, whatever, Snap, Snap something, whatever. Whatever's out there. Insta, verb, you know, it changes so often I can't keep up. But, and we're, we're allowing other things to feed us. What would happen if in those moments we paused to take a couple of minutes in the word and let the word of God speak to us? Could that change our perspective of life? Could that change our perspective of God? Could that change everything? Amen? We need to be more devoted to the word. The second thing that we see here in this text is that they were devoted not just to the word, but to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. It continues on, even saying that they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. What is that? It's be devoted to relational discipleship. Relational discipleship is a phrase that we use in this church because we believe that discipleship, which is spiritual formation or spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, doesn't happen by ourselves. 
in a vacuum. It happens through relationships. In fact, psychologists have found over the last decade or so that we were so made and wired for relationships, our brains are literally changed by the brains of one another. And so who we have in our lives, the closest people to us have the power to shape us at a subconscious level. So we need to intentionally put ourselves in situations where we're being shaped by the people of God. That's why in this church, we encourage everyone to be in a small group, right? We say everyone needs to be in a small group. And the reason why is so that we can encourage one another in the word, that we can help shape one another into becoming more like Jesus together through these relationships. And that's how the early church built. They met together regularly, house to house. Breaking bread, by the way, wasn't just a symbol. They didn't just eat together because they were hungry. Eating together was a symbol of deep fellowship. You didn't eat with someone who you didn't have deep fellowship with. And so this whole idea of being together, being shaped by the community of of disciples is so important. And so if you're not in a small group yet, you need to get into a small group. If you are in a small group, you need to go every single week, amen? Because if you're only going once a month, you're not going to develop the relationships necessary for the formation to happen. As we said, as I said a couple, couple of weeks ago, you know, studies show that it takes around 40, uh, 57 to 59 hours for a person to become, to go from being a casual friend to becoming a close friend. 59 hours. So if we, we meet together once a week, it takes a little over a year, or maybe around a year, to go from being a casual acquaintance to being a close friend to where now we're shaping one another. If you go once a month, it's going to take like four years for you to develop the close relationships necessary for that kind of formation to happen, right? It's going to take a long time. And there are a lot of people in churches that go, I don't feel close to anybody. Well, because if you only come on Sunday and we say, hi, brother, and we walk past one another, that's not going to develop the kind of relationships that are necessary for spiritual formation to take place. That's why we do life in small groups. And obviously, we can't all be, you know, having deep fellowship with one another. It's just logistically impossible. And that's why we break the church down into small groups and we invite everyone to be a part of one. So if you're not in a group, let us help connect you. If you are in one, don't go every month. Don't go even every other week. Make it a goal to go every week. Because it's about building those relationships where the formation can happen. Can I hear an amen to that? And so they did that. They met every single day in the word, in relationship, and the Lord shaped them. Who are those people that you're allowing to shape you? If we're being shaped more by people in the world, then that's what's going to result in our spiritual formation. If we're allowing ourselves to be shaped by the spiritual community, then we'll become more like Jesus whether we realize it or not. So we need to be devoted to relational discipleship. The third thing we see, they devoted themselves to the word, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And in this series, in, in the previous one, we talked a lot about prayer, so I won't spend too much time here. But we need to devote ourselves to prayer. I think in this, as we step up into this next season, we all need to step up in our prayer lives. Can I hear an amen? I know I do. I know those drive-by prayers that we have every now and then. Uh, aren't going to cut it as we step into this next season because some of us are believing for breakthroughs. We're believing for miracles. We're believing for God to do impossible things in our lives. Well, how many of us know that's going to require some, a, a different level of prayer in our lives? One thing Pastor Kevin said last week is that what God is asking us to do is not just hard. It's impossible. Amen? If you think about it, living a holy life on this earth in the midst of all the temptations that go on around, that's impossible if not for the Spirit of God. If not for God's help, that's impossible. Reconciling broken relationships that have been tense over decades and maybe even generations, it's not only hard, it's impossible, if not for the Holy Spirit to come and change our hearts, amen? Going from death to life is impossible, if not for the Spirit of God. Reaching cities, nations, and the world, 
is impossible if not for the Spirit of God. What that tells me is we need to pray a whole lot more than we're praying today. Amen? Maybe you're believing for some breakthroughs, and our prayer life in this past season was okay. I think it's God's calling all of us to take steps, to step up that prayer life for this next season. And I believe those breakthroughs are around the corner. But we can't expect God to do what he's never done if we're not willing to do things that we've never done. Right? If you keep doing the things that you've always done, don't be surprised when you get what you've always gotten kind of thing. And so if we're believing God for new things in this season, we got to be willing to take steps of faith that we've never taken before. And I think one of those ways is in our, in our word, in our relational discipleship, but also in prayer. How much time do we spend in prayer? Is it just, you know, you know when, when we're in the car right before a meal, when you're in the bathroom, I don't know when you pray, okay? But, what, but we, I think we need to increase that in this season as we go forward. The fourth thing we see with the early church is they devoted themselves to serving and to generosity. It says all the believers were together and had everything in common. There was a deep unity and a sharing. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were devoted to serving one another and to generosity. And it was such an amazing thing. The early church, one of the early church historians, a guy by the name of Tertullian in the second century, he commented about, he wrote about what the non-believers or the Roman world said about the Christians. So he commented about what they would say about them, right? And so this is what he said. He said, look, they say, how they love one another. So he's noting what other people said about the church. Look how they love one another, for they themselves hate one another, and how they are ready to die for each other, for they themselves are readier to kill each other. It was so peculiar to see this Christian community loving and serving and sharing with one another that it got the attention of the non-believing world. Why are you guys so loving? Why are you guys so generous? Why are you guys willing to serve one another and share with one another? Why are you guys willing to do all that? And it became a, a, a light that drew people to, to the Christian community. I want to be a part of that community. I mean, who doesn't want to be a part of a community that loves and serves selflessly, right? I know I do. I, can't, I can just imagine if I were on the outside looking into a community that was loving and serving, I'd be like, how do I get to be a part of that? And then to be welcomed with open arms, Man, that, 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 that's powerful. And that's what the early church did, and it's no wonder why the early Roman world was turned upside down or turned right side up by this early Christian community. It wasn't just them preaching the gospel, it was them living the gospel that was so attractive. But part of the living the gospel is serving generously one another. And so, you know, this you know the way this would look today, possibly, is serving inside the church, like I said earlier. There's so many people that make this church possible and do, do some tremendous things, but it's also serving out in the community. And loving people out in the community. By the way that we love and serve, it, it's a sign to the gospel. We can preach all we want, but if people don't experience the love of God through us tangibly, it's just words that fall to the ground. Amen? But when they experience your love, when they experience our generosity, it changes your perspective. It's generosity inside, but it's also generosity outside the church that becomes a sign to others. And that's what drew the early Roman world to Christianity. And I think that's what, that will draw this community, this world, our culture to Christ as well. It's not our words necessarily. It's going to be our actions of love that then are followed by words. Why do you do that? Because I love God and God loves you. Why are you willing to, to give and be generous? Why are you willing to tithe? I mean, that's crazy because I know that my riches aren't just here on this earth. They're in heaven. Why are you willing to serve with your time? Because I know that it's about helping other people get to heaven because that's what's really important. And at the end of the day, we're going to stand before the Lord. 
See, that, the words follow the actions. When they see the actions, it creates a, why do you do that? And we can share about the amazing love of our God, which is the motivation. Can I hear an amen to that? But if they don't see the actions, they're not going to care about our words. Like I said before, we can say all day long, you need Jesus. They're going to look at our lives, and if they don't see love coming out of us, they're going to say, bro, you need Jesus. You go to church every week, and you're not any more loving. You go to church every week, and you're still selfish and, and bitter and angry. Bro, you need Jesus. How about you go get some Jesus, and then maybe I'll come with you, right? That's what people are thinking. But if we demonstrate the love of God, they're going to go, What's, why? Why do you do that? And then we can tell them about the love of our amazing God. We can tell them that this world isn't all that there is and there's eternal life in heaven and I serve because I know I'm a citizen of heaven and he wants you to be a part of that as well. Now the words matter because they've seen our actions of love. Can I hear it, amen? The early church demonstrated it so powerfully that people wanted to be a part. They wanted to be a part and the, and, and, and the text concludes, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The greater revival was around the corner because the early church responded in faith and their lifestyle reflected the love of God and people were drawn. People wanted to be a part. They were highly regarded because of their love. <clears throat> How, what, what do, I wonder what do people say about us? What do people say about our lives? As I said before, man, people should look at us as, man, you're the most loving, generous, kind people on the planet, shouldn't they? And I don't know about you, I don't think people say that about me all the time. <laughs> I need to step up in that, amen? And I suspect so do all of us in this room. This isn't condemnation, it's a challenge. How can we become the kind of people that draw people with the love of God? We gotta take these steps of faith first, amen? And as we do, I'm confident the Lord will begin to do what only he can do, which is open up men and women's hearts to the gospel. I have a young couple here with me who's gonna, who I asked to come and share uh, a bit of their testimony because when I think about um, stepping up in faith and uh, really being an example of the love of God in their community, I think of Landon and Don Oka. And so I want to invite them to the stage and they're going to share a little bit of their testimony with us this morning. Help me welcome Landon and Don Oka. <laughs> Landon here. Thanks, guys. They came for our 7.30 service. <laughs> You woke up early and you made it. Amen. Thank you for doing that. And you're here again this morning. Um, Landon, is a, Landon is a dentist, a graduate of Damien, Oregon State, U Indiana University. He's also a wrestling coach at Damien. You also coach middle school wrestling, I hear. Um, he's also one of our small group leaders. Uh, you may see him around uh, serving in kids' church and different things. His wife, Dawn, is a dental hygienist, a Pro City grad. Hey, there are some. In the earlier service, no one clapped. I was like, brah. We got, we got to get better at reaching Pro City people. Anyway, um, Don's a Pro City High School grad, UH Manoa. Uh, and uh, she's on our worship team at night, one of our small group leaders as well. You'll see her around serving in different ways. Um, but, you know, I, I had, a, had the privilege of doing their wedding in 2020, uh, the first COVID wedding I did. And, um, you know, as we were doing their premarital and getting to know them a little bit better, they shared their heart about why they serve and why they do the things that they do. They just, uh, starting in their dental, dental careers, uh, Landon and Don start, have their own private practice now. And uh, just their heart for being used by God in the midst of all the things that they're trying to do to get their life started. I was just so encouraged by their faith that I said, man, I got to have you guys share. And so... Um, you know, you guys are just starting out in your careers, just taking over a massive dental practice in Kahala. By the way, if you need a dentist, go see this guy. Um, yet you spend so much time serving others. And I know it must be a sacrifice to 
give the time, to give the energy, to drive all around the island, to meet up with people, to, you know, take care of kids that aren't yours, you know, um, in our kids' church, um, leading small groups, serving in so many different ways. A lot of sacrifices involved. Um, tell us, what motivates you? Why do you, why, why do you guys do that? Um, I like that question, why? I think that wherever we're, all, we're at in our seasons, we should always remember to go back to, and reflect on the why. Um, personally, for me, um, when I first got saved, I remember, um, you know, it wasn't a right away thing, but as I continued to pursue my relationship with God, you know, I really, my heart just began to break for other women because I was somebody who was constantly filling my life with all these things, trying to fill in that void when that revealing moment of God came and he was the only one who could really fill that void that I was searching for. And my heart really broke where I was like, man, God, if I could be able to somehow love on these women, guide these women, and remind them that, God, it's only you who loves like no other, like nothing else in this world. Use me in that way. And I think that's, again, that just continues to be my why as to why I'm a small group leader, why I'm here in this church, and why I'm here just even as a sister or a friend for anyone out there. That's awesome. So God's changed your life, and you want to help someone else. That's amazing. How about you, Landon? What is your why? Um, for me... I can go all the way back to like when I was a kid. Um, so growing up, you know, when I was young, my parents got divorced. Um, I, I, I started to see it all as like, you know, like I, I have to set goals for myself. I have to accomplish things for myself. You know, I'm gonna graduate high school. I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna go to dental school. I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna buy a practice. We're gonna have kids. You know, we're gonna live a nice long life and then I'm gonna die and that's it. <laughs> and. You know, <laughs> um, but, you know, since coming to know God, like, I know there's more to life than just that. You know, there's more hope to it than just living a life just to die at the end and store up a bunch of stuff in this world only to leave it all behind when I leave this earth, right? And when I came to that realization, you know, you look around you and you look at your family, your friends, like, wherever you are, like, whatever God places you and you see, like, you know, people are in the same mindset. Like, you know, they, they don't have that hope that we do. And... You know, I see it now, like, you know, that's my job, that God puts me here to help to bring that hope to other people. Yes, that's amazing. That's so true. You know, one of the things is we were, we were talking before, you know, their, their vision was to start a dental practice, and you did that. Um, but your heart was really to use that dental practice to be a blessing to the community. Tell us about that. What was in your heart for that? So it actually goes way back to when we were still dating. Um, I love how, you know, God just places visions and dreams in your hearts because when we were first still dating, a common dream that we had was that one day we'd love to partake in being in a free clinic where we could give back to the community. And, um, you know, I didn't know how that was going to happen. I always thought that I would just be more like an educational realm or route. But, you know, seeing where God's really placed this blessing on our lap, it allows us to elevate even more. And again, like aside from all that free services or giving back community health-wise, just um, allowing a path where we could even share the gospel as well. Yeah, you want to comment on that at all? Uh, <laughs> well, she pretty much covered everything. But yeah, you know, God, God gave us this blessing so that we can go out and be a blessing to those around us, right? And, you know, it's not going to be like a right-away thing. But, you know, we have something to look forward to with the kingdom mindset. You know, we have this mission that we're set out to accomplish. You know, it's a long-term goal. However we get there, wherever we get there, that's up, up to God. But, you know, he put that on our hearts for a reason. And that was one of the, 
the very first things that we bonded over, other than the fact that, you know, she's a hygienist, I'm a dentist, so we talk about teeth all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Your dates must have been on fire talking about teeth all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was just so encouraged by them because, you know, I was thinking, man, what would happen if every Christian just said, you know, wherever I am, I want to use that for the community. Free, free dental clinic where I can help the community but also share the gospel. You know, what if all of us thought about, you know, what can God do with whatever gifts and talents I'm given, wherever I am? I think if every Christian started thinking that way and taking steps in that way, this world would be a vastly different place. So I was so encouraged by, by, by just your guys' heart to even be thinking in that way. And then God began opening doors for you to buy this practice in Kahala, and now you're closer than ever heading down that path. And so praise God. But what if we all thought that way? I think God would open more doors than we realize because that's his heart, amen? Not just that the, the blessings get stuck with us, but that the blessings flow through us into the lives of other people. And I, I really believe that's God's heart. Um, you know, you've all already had some open doors to minister through your practice. Um, tell, tell, us a, tell us about that. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I pray in the morning before I go to work every day and I'm like, you know, God, give me an opportunity to reach out to somebody today. And um, someone just randomly came in. I, I don't know how he found out about the office or the practice, but he came to see me out at my Milani practice. Um, he was a Vietnam War veteran. You know, he was talking to me. He suffered from PTSD. Um, I believe he also had Parkinson's. And, you know, we, we got onto the topic of, you know, talking about God. And it turns out his dad used to be a pastor or used to grandpa or somebody like that, someone close in relationship. But, you know, after he came back from the war, he kind of fell away and, you know, got into this depression and stuff. And, you know, at the end of his appointment, <laughs> it's kind of weird, but God kept telling me, you know, pray for this guy. And, you know, I, I asked him, I was like, you know, is it okay if I pray for you? And he said, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> and so I did. And, you know, I laid my hands on him and I prayed over him. And the next time he came in, he said, you know, I, I called your church. You know, someone was able to pray for me. And, you know, I think I'm going to start watching you guys' services online. So hopefully he's watching. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so, like, he came in and he said, you know, like, I decided to, you know, re rededicate to the Lord and really search for him again and try to build that relationship back. That's awesome. That's awesome. Don, any, any thought there? Oh, for me personally, no opportunities like that yet. But I really am praying and believing for that moment to come one day. Um, something, though, that God has really placed on my heart this season with us working together is really being intentional. I recently, before working with Landon, I actually came from a specialty practice where, you know, it was kind of the patients were really in and out of the chair. And this season, I have 70 minutes to spend with a patient for a cleaning. And, you know, that's really stretched me because I, personally, I'm an introvert, but Every op with every appointment isn't every opportunity to get to know these patients, love on them. I learn so much about them. Mm -hmm. And again, I only hope that one day I have that opportunity to pray for them because like, I've learned to love them as my own sister, brother, auntie, uncle. And I think that's something that God is continuing to reveal in my eyes that, hey, the more I can get to really have that bond with these people, then when that opportunity comes, like nothing, I'll be able to be like, let me pray for you. Amen. You know, and again, it's just that heart, 
of intentionality. You know, like Landon said, every time I'm going to work, you're going to work saying, God, give me an opportunity. God will, in his timing, bring the people that he wants us to encourage and pray for and maybe even lead to faith in Christ. And what would happen if we all had that intentional thinking every day that we went to work as well? Landon, uh, Don, you know, parting encouragement from you to all of us this morning on, on taking these steps of faith. Um, I guess for us here today, um, just be reminded that God makes no mistakes with where he's placed you, you know, from our communities to our family members and friends to even the marketplace. You know, it's so easy for us to look at somewhere like the marketplace to be our place where we just clock in and out, make our wage, support our families. But God's really challenging us in all of us, I want to say, in this season to really go out there and connect with the coworkers that he's really placing on your hearts. Connect with the supervisors that you're finding yourself encountering a lot more, you know. And I just as long as you continue to trust that, let God do the watering as you continue to plant those seeds. Amen, amen. How about you, Len? Uh, well, first things, um, I just want to say that that was me in the wedding picture, just my hair is yeah, a little you, bit I, different. Yeah, you look like Justin Bieber now. <laughs> yeah, very different. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so um, my parting shot is, you know, I... I remember, like, when I first got the, the offer for the office, I, I, I sat down and I had lunch with Pastor Billy, and, you know, I was like, you know, I'm not really sure, like, you know, I'm, I'm I think back then I was 27, so I was 27, I was like, I don't know if, like, you know, this is the right thing, but, you know, one thing that Pastor Billy reminded me was, you know, it's not up to us where we're placed, right? God is going to place us where he needs us to be, and he's going to elevate us to where we need to be in order to minister to the, the place that he calls us to. And so, you know, we're there with a purpose. You know, I, I'm in kids' church working with some of your kids for a purpose, you know. Um, I'm a wrestling coach for intermediate and high school. Like, all these different places, like, if I wasn't on mission from God, I would just be like, all right, I'm out of here, you know, mm -hmm. check out. But when you're on mission for God and you're seeking that, you know, you look for those opportunities to, to talk to them about the gospel, to pray for people. And, you know, with that, it's like, it's great to do on your own. But we're also called to do it as brothers and sisters, as a team. You know, like the apostles were sent out in twos, right? And, you know, we're sent out in, in um, Matthew chapter 28, right? It's part of the Great Commission to go out and make disciples of all nations, right? And it's the co-mission. Like we're doing it together, you know, with each other, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. We're all doing it together. And I think that's super encouraging. And then um, one other scripture that I, I thought about, um, Pastor Billy talked about this in the morning service, but... You know, it can be exhausting sometimes, you know, in the marketplace when you're working in the ministry. But, you know, we're surrounded by brothers and sisters that can lift us up, you yeah. know. So we're called to lift each other up, too, when we're feeling low, when we're feeling down. And Exodus 17, you know, Moses is tired, man. Like, they're winning this war, but they only win the war when he's raising his hands up, right? But his arms get tired. Who can hold their hands up for over hours? Nobody, right? But Aaron and her come and help him to elevate him so that they can find victory. And we can do the same for each other. Amen, amen. How about a hand for Landon and Don? Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you were encouraged by that because, you know, I look at, I look at these, the, you know, they could easily be just thinking about themselves, thinking about their lives, thinking about the next trips they're going on, the cars they want to buy. But they're saying, how can I be used by God where I am with what I've been entrusted with to make a difference in the lives of others? And if every single one of us did that in small ways or large ways, I think we'd be amazed with what God will do through all of us. And I think we'll be amazed by the transformation that we see in people's lives, but also the community as well. 
But what often happens all too often is we just think about ourselves and, and what we need and, and just focus on our, the, us here and now. And we miss out on the greater, bigger picture of what God's trying to do through us in the world. And I want to close with this. You know, one of the places in the world where revival is breaking out the most is where persecution is also the hardest. It's in the nation of China. And if you've been following the news, you know that the communist government of China has been cracking down on Christians, tearing down churches, arresting pastors and parishioners, putting them in jail, all for, for believing in God. I mean, it's illegal to even own a Bible. We joked earlier how all of us have Bibles on our phones. Well, in China, you can't have a Bible on your phone. If they catch you, you're going to jail. But yet in the middle of that persecution, revival is breaking out. They're not settling for shrinking back in fear but they're still meeting together, gathering together, encouraging one another, and being a witness to their community together. And I want to close with this, this short video clip because it paints a picture of what the heart of the church needs to be like. That in the middle of all the challenges, we got to continue to, to be devoted to the word. We need to continue to be devoted to one another. We need to be, continue to be devoted to prayer and to serving and to generosity. And as we do, the Lord will bring the harvest. So take a look at this clip on, in China and how they're continuing to be faithful amid the opposition that they're facing. Check this out. Few places in the world are seeing the explosion of God's power like the underground church in China is experiencing. And in the last 60 years, China's communist government has done its best to wipe Christianity off the map. What you are about to see is some of the rarest footage on the planet. In this church, the people wake up at 4.30 to come together for two hours to pray and worship. They do this every day. This church meets in the only place they are safe, a cave. This church meets on a farm, far away from prying eyes. Here's an example of an underground church outreach. The people sitting are Christians. The people who are standing are not. This particular preacher was once crippled, but was healed when someone prayed for her. She now preaches the good news of Jesus to anyone who will listen. In this particular meeting, over 1,000 people became Christians. In Shanghai alone, there are over 3,000 house churches, just like this one. One thing Dennis pointed out to me was that most of the underground churches in China are actually led by young people. These kids have all come out of the communist system and they want nothing to do with it. They only want to spread the love of Jesus to everybody they meet. This is a music school. Well, that's the cover anyway. It's really a training school for students who want to be pastors. The government thinks they're simply learning to play instruments. One thing I quickly realized about the Chinese church is that it's a lot different from the American one. For one thing, they think a four-hour sermon is short. 
In this church service, it's 120 degrees inside the building. The people meet for 12 hours straight. Dennis told me one story about a time he went to a very remote village in China to preach. He was led into a large room where the people were packed so closely together that he had his back to the wall and could reach out and touch the row in front of him. Everyone stood. There was no room to sit. He asked how long he should preach for, and they told him from 8.30 to 7 at night. Then they asked him if it wasn't too much trouble, could you come back tomorrow and preach from 8.30 to 7 again? And then, very sheepishly, they asked again, if you'd be so kind, could you come back the day after that and preach from 8.30 to 7? He asked how often he should take breaks, and they told him not to stop. The people will wait. Then he asked them what he should preach on. Everything, they replied, from Genesis to Revelation. And then it dawned on him, these people had no Bibles. I don't know about you, but I am moved by the devotion of these Christians in such a difficult circumstance and situation for generations. But they're saying, no, we're going to continue to be devoted. We're going to continue to be devoted to the Lord, to his word, to the fellowship, to prayer, to serving and loving one another. And God's been bringing revival. God's been bringing revival. We don't hear about that because the Chinese Communist government doesn't want us to hear about that. But you hear from missionaries that are on the ground. Man, revival is breaking out underground. The same thing can happen here by our devotion, by our stepping up in faith. The same thing can happen here. But it starts with us, amen. It starts with us saying yes to God saying, and remaining devoted, but even taking steps of faith to elevate that devotion. I believe God wants to do an amazing thing in our communities in the world through us as well. Amen.